we actually have a responsibility to make to guide our patients towards treatments or towards not having treatments if we think it's not in their interest of their well-being. That's the difference between someone who's a regulator healthcare professional and someone who isn't. Welcome to the Aesthetics Mastery Show. I'm Dr. Tim Pierce. Hi, I'm Miranda Pierce. Today we are diving deep into body dysmorphia, triggered by that recent case that we all saw probably of the Bulgarian girl who's put 25 mils into her lips and is striving to have the biggest lips in the world. Quite shocking. So we are going to tackle from your perspective, where is the line when you are treating clients? And, you know, this is a discussion for us all in society. Like, is this appropriate? Is this is this ethical? And Tim has done a brilliant download that you can access via a link in the description, which is a dysmorphia checklist. And also he's going to actually give you what he says when he rejects clients, because there's a nice subtle way of doing it. It took me years to hone this. It's also included in this video, but download the checklist. So where should we start? So she has gone for 25 mil in ellipse, apparently. But I mean, it doesn't really matter how many there are. They look crazy. And to our normal bar, it's quite like shocking for us. And many of the practitioners out there, you guys are commenting on it and saying that the practitioner who did it is terrible, etc. So I'm wondering, like, what do you think is going on with her? Why has she gone for such massive lips? Well, it's really difficult for us to understand without without talking to her in detail, which is one of the points I want to get across with this whole episode is understanding the complexity of diagnosing body dysmorphia. You cannot do it from a picture. Um, I did six months of psychiatry in my training, and I know that you spend a long time figuring out exactly how people fit into these different official diagnoses, and you don't just look at pictures. Although that may often be correct, it isn't always correct, and I'm going to shed a bit more light on that as we go through it. So why is she looking for it? Well, there are many reasons people can have extreme treatments. Um, they, they could have body dysmorphia, which means they're obsessively seeing themselves in a negative frame of light, constantly ruminating over a particular problem, trying to make an adjustment in the hope that it'll make them happier and then failing and then repeating that cycle. So it's this futile cycle of trying to make yourself feel certain about your appearance and then achieving nothing but not stopping. Um, it's, it's almost no different to scratching a mosquito bite, you know, when mm. it's it's bugging you, scratch it, it makes it worse. You keep scratching it till you cut a hole in your leg. You know, it's a little bit like that. Um, now, the people have who basically do body modification are not necessarily dysmorphic, and that's mm. the two things we need to separate out. So, would you have treated her? Well, the short answer is no, but my reasoning is what I hope will help our viewers. And um, it's quick to diagnose someone as body dysmorphic by looking at them and saying. They, they clearly have dysmorphia. The example I like to use to shatter that idea is what about tattoos? Uh, what about circumcision? You know, there are lots of things that people do to their bodies that have no, no physical benefit that don't necessarily make them better looking, um, but they make the choice as individuals that it's something that they want in their lives to help them in some way, you know, feel different, mark an occasion, whatever the reasons are that you that people do these things. And not they can to the external eye to, to someone who's just seen them. It's a bit like those plates in the African, uh, I think it's, I'm not going to get it wrong. Um, but there are those tribes that put enorm enormous plates in their lips. Now, within the context of their environment, if you don't have a plate, you're at a disadvantage. So they are actually needed in a way, culturally, they are needed to survive. 
um, because without them you have different value and there's less social power. Uh, interestingly, they're a symbol of feminine power in those in those tribes, which is, I think is quite interesting. So, but for us, it's just mutilation, uh, and there are lots of examples like that across cultures where if you're not part of the culture, it's it doesn't make any sense. So you could be dealing with something like that, um, and I'm I'm trying to be not a, um, uh, you know not apply my own ideology to interpreting what they want. However, I am part of a, s a system that I, I do buy into, which is that being a healthcare professional, which means I'm here to improve someone's health and well-being. I'm not here for other things. Um, and there's, I have to take that responsibility quite seriously. And that's, that's where it gets interesting is if, if I'm saying she doesn't have body dysmorphia, because she may not, I think it's possible that you could want uh, an enormous lip treatment without obsessively thinking that you're ugly, without um, you know, always looking in the mirror, without a sense of dread and self-loathing. I think some people body modify their bodies for other reasons. I think it's possible. Um, and we need to talk to them really in detail before you can make that diagnosis of true body dysmorphia. However, that doesn't mean that what they're going to do, what they're thinking of doing is going to make them happier or healthier. And that's where my judgment comes in. As a clinician, you have to take that responsibility seriously. Mm -hmm. So how do you how do you begin to make that judgment? Yeah, so this this is a, a little bit like the circumcision argument, as in everyone in our culture does it. So, um, so within the realm of that culture, it's not it's not harmful. Now, it's a difficult line to tread. I can only make the decision from my perspective and what I'm confident is going to make someone happier and healthier. So, I can imagine, you know, doing certain treatments. So we effectively do do this. You know, if you've got a weak chin and you restore the shape of someone's chin, you're making them fit in with with the what we perceive as being more more normal and that helps them um, and this is where where it gets interesting is if someone's striving to to basically reach the the a more common appearance more mean within their culture you can make a stronger argument that it's okay to treat them and that is tricky because it does get to the point where you're only treating culture now i i can make a decision and this is basically what i do my point of view is i'm here to create natural healthy looking faces i'm not here to help you fit into your culture um so and th that's one one delineation you might make straight away which is um it might be great amongst your circle of friends to have an enormous top lip but for society in general it's a bit strange um i i know what the ratios should be i'm gonna i'm gonna stick to what is the natural shape of lips creating beauty the natural form of it not cultural kind of fashionable treatments mm -hmm. so that's that's one of the first things to do as a clinician is decide are you going to play the game of um i'm going to help people kind of push the boundaries of their culture or are you going to help people look natural and beautiful because i think one of the areas that i've always been slightly nervous about is that we as practitioners aren't paternalistic and making a judgment like oh well done you've qualified by my standards and therefore you can have the treatment that you want yeah i think it's it's a paternalistic is the correct word but it's often a maternal thing because i, I see it most often with older women who see younger women coming in for treatments and think that they don't need it um, and once again this comes from trying to understand the individual within their within their immediate environment like if you're 26 23 and you feel like your top lip is disproportionately small and it makes you not want to smile at people when you first meet them, um, that is creating a friction point in your ability to project yourself fully into life. Um, and that will, in theory, will, might affect some of the, the opportunities that you have. Now, you might be beautiful and have great skin and all the other things that you might not have as much of as you get older. 
um, but you can't look at it through your eyes. You've got to try and look at their environment through their eyes. But the, 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 the layer on top of that is you've also got to try and see how they are perceived by, by everyone else. And this is where it gets difficult not to be paternal because we're trying to project through imagining how society is going to interact, but we're just another member of that of society. But the, the key thing there is how far away from average are you taking this face? Mm. Because if you're taking a face the, a long way away from the average face, you're, you're effectively excluding that person from the tribe. That's how I, I'd understand it. For in terms of functioning healthily, the further away you get from, from normal, the more likely they're going to be rejected by the herd. Mm. Like, and that's a healthcare practitioner must take that into account. If you're a tattoo artist, you don't have to because the whole point is to differentiate yourself often, not always. Um, but you you just need their consent to say, yes, I do want a lizard on my face. Um, you don't have to make a judgment on whether that's going to be in their benefit or not. But we are, healthcare prof professionals are bound to make that, to make an attempt at making a decision whether this is a healthy thing or not for them in terms of how they function. And that involves how they're going to fit into society after I've done this procedure. Okay. So imagine that you are coming out into the waiting room to gather your next patient and there you see someone who has big old lips anyway. They've never come to our clinic before and you think, oh God, heart sink. Like I can't treat that person, you know, immediately. How do you consult them, A, and how do you stand them down, B? So how do you reject a patient who is... Uh, who's come to ask for your help but you don't want to do the procedure because it doesn't fit in with your ethos um that has happened to me many times uh, initially it was clunky which was you say something like i'm not the right practitioner for you and that doesn't that seldom gets a oh, okay fine see ya um there's normally a an argument which is what do you mean is my money not good in, good enough for you i'm happy to pay all those all those kind of payment related things uh, come up um and Really, you need to develop, you need to explain to them what your ethos is. And the key thing here is you can't be judgmental either. So I think you look stupid with those lips is not the right answer. Um, you have to, and that's because it's not objective. That's a subjective e explanation. And so this is where what I've said already may be helpful is you need to present them with the objective reasons. So the objective reason, number one, is I can't treat you because effectively every treatment I do is a bet that I'm making that you're going to be better off at the end of this. I mean healthier. You're, I'm going to improve your well-being with this procedure. And that the degree of that improvement will offset the risk of the procedure. So there's an equation going on here. And what I can confidently say to someone who wants enormous lips is, my my bet that I'm going to improve your well-being is not what I'm willing to make. I just, I just, it's too complicated. I don't know how many other people are going to react. Um, it's better for me ethically to do nothing. Um, and most people take that really well. They're like, it, you know, it's up to you to have this procedure. I'm not saying it's the wrong thing for me, for you. It might be the best thing you ever do. I don't feel enough certainty to have that, to make that bet because it's breaking the realm of normal so much that other people may not react as positively as you hope. And you may not care what other people think, but I have to take into account that that could still affect your health and well-being. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> Brilliant. The practitioners were saying were criticizing understandably the person who did this in the first place be they a medical or non-medical person so what do you think i mean do you think they're bad people well it depends on what their rationale is i, I know what many of them will say which is this is what the patient asks for if you ask the patient the patient says i'm happier now than i was before i had my lips done and they're probably not wrong 
Um, but is it sustainable and long lasting? And is it gonna keep going that way? This is where all the uncertainty creeps in because I'm fairly certain this patient has free will. They're not psychotic. I, I think it's quite possible they're not dysmorphic uh, and they're asking for this treatment, getting it and feeling okay with what they're getting. Now, the best reason not to, not to do the treatment, I think someone pointed out on the thread on Facebook is you've actually got a physical risk there. That's number one, like you might stop the blood, blood flow to the lip. Um, so that's absolutely critical. Um, the other, but the other justifications they may have would are sent, basically center around the patient asked for it, and they tell me that they're happier afterwards. Um, and for me, this this does ignore that interface with society. The fact that we know enough about how humans interact, we are herd at pack animals. We work, we 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 rely on each other to survive. Um, I think they're ignoring that that the, it doesn't just matter what the patient thinks. And this is where it gets really tricky because we love the idea of empowering women and making them in charge of their appearance. But actually, there is a point where you're involved with something that may be disempowering even though they want it. And that that's the bit that is ignored. But the, the justification is that they want it. But absolutely. I, I think <clears throat> this isn't about controlling women or not controlling women. This is about a contract and a relationship between two people. One's a professional, one's a member of the public. And you're the professional. You get to decide what you are comfortable with. Yeah. And I, and I don't think everyone, as they go into aesthetics, necessarily takes on board that responsibility. As soon as you hear it said, they think, yeah, that's a good idea. But we actually have a responsibility to make to guide our patients towards treatments or towards not having treatments if we think it's not in their interest of their well-being. That's the difference between someone who's a regulated healthcare professional and someone who isn't. If you're not, if you, you know, tattoo artists, they actually have more regulation than we do, but they're not bound by this idea of well-being. They're, they're just bound to fulfill the contract and they can just do whatever. And there's nothing actually within that equation seen as unethical, but it's different for us. We are held to a higher standard. And that standard is much more complicated because you basically have to be a psychiatrist and an artist, you know, and a teacher to do what we do. So it's it's it, there is a lot more to it than just the patient wanted it, so I gave it to them. Okay. And do you think that that practitioner was money grabbing? It's it's possible, but how am I to know? I, I think it's more likely that they have a rationale for it, a bit like the tattoo artist. I don't think every tattoo artist who tattoos someone's face is money grabbing. They're just doing what tattoo artists are supposed to do. And if that's your if that's your ideology, that's the way you are. You, you've built your moral framework as a practitioner for one reason or another. You can easily justify doing extreme treatments, except for the physical risk. I don't think there's a justification for that. But once again, that's not that well proven. There's no randomized control trial on what 25 mils does to your lips. Um, but if you believe there's a risk, then that would be different. Okay. So is there any kind of takeaways that you think from this really interesting case? Um, well, the most interesting thing for me about these extreme cases is I really think practitioners need to separate body dysmorphia from other reasons of people, from body modification, essentially. There's a difference between body, body dysmorphia and body modification. And someone doesn't need to be body dysmorphic in order to have extreme treatments. And once you understand that, you'll realize why some of your patients who are asking for treatments you don't believe in, but aren't unhappy with themselves, you can understand this. And you can you, you are better able to explain to them why you're not involved. You can't be involved because you're not in the field of body modification. You're a healthcare professional who wants to make improve well-being. And body modification is not clearly linked with well-being at all. And for that reason, you can't do treatments that don't fit into that, that type of treatment. I mean, people have haircuts we don't like, yeah. you know, they wear clothes we don't like. And we're like, you're fine, you do whatever you need to do. It's not my business. You just, and that's how I feel about some extreme treatments, as in if they don't get a physical risk for it and they want to do it, I'm not against them personally doing it. 
I'm drawing the line at me being involved. <laughs> and, and that's a useful separation. You don't have to judge their decisions. You just make, you're judging your own behavior, not them. Thanks so much for watching, guys. And we are super interested in your thoughts. Comment below, what do you think about this case? And don't forget to download the checklist, Tim's Dysmorphia checklist in the description. There's a link there for you. And if you are interested in accessing this as a podcast, then go to all your usual places, Spotify, iTunes, etc., And you can listen to us as you are driving to work. Thank you very much for watching. Take care.